when a crisis happens, our natural inclination is to self-protect. So it's we're like a turtle that's kind of, we want to pull our head into our shell as a form of self-protection. But while that is justifiable, because we don't want to be hurt, it's also going to limit our effectiveness in the present and also our abilities to navigate through the future. This is the Ingalls of Latitude podcast, session number 178 with Dr. Ryan Gottfriedson. This is squadron leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston, your connector of amazing people and great ideas, alongside Andy Dix, professional coach and host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. If this is the first time you're listening in, this is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. So, you know, I was actually just listening to an interview that past guest of the show, Andrew Heaton, was having with his guest, uh, Ryan Schlesinger, on alienating the audience. And if you've not heard that podcast and are into sci-fi, totally recommend it. And their topic was actually discussing how Star Wars is the mythic story of the Skywalker family. And while this isn't really anything new to me, it was something that they really went into detail with. So there was a lot of new things that I was actually hearing. And one such detail is in the original trilogy, we see Luke struggling with being a a Jedi or becoming part of the dark side. And I agree with Andrew and Ryan that this was why Star Wars hits home with so many people. And like Luke, we all have that internal struggle. Do we stay in a place where we constantly feel we're against the world or do we work to make ourselves better? Today's guest, Dr. Ryan Godfordson, is someone who can shed a bit of light on deciphering where people are in that particular journey. And instead of exploring the light and dark side, he instead looks at mindsets and how they play a role in our success particularly a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. As with Luke and the Rebels, those who have a growth mindset often see much more success in their lives compared to those with a fixed mindset. Of course, this is not saying that someone with a fixed mindset can't get ahead and see success in their own lives. It's just that it's typically a much harder path. I believe the main reason why this is is because those who are growth-minded tend to be open to creativity and working with others. While on the other hand, those who are in a fixed mindset often rely on themselves and are more competitive with those around them. And in fact, the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, explains this point in much greater detail. So join in on the conversation as Andy and I learn about these mindsets with Dr. Goffertson. Some of the things we discuss include how Ryan got to be in the organizational behavior world in the first place, how we can start to become better versions of ourselves 
and some of the practices we can utilize to make ourselves more growth oriented. But first, I want to remind you guys of connected and, you know, creating leads can be a daunting practice. And even worse, many leads that we are as business owners get might not be the best fit for our services. So the smart business owner will leverage a network like, say, LinkedIn or Facebook and use it to search for specific people to connect with and to potentially serve. Problem is, it doesn't matter which platform you're using. There can be a substantial amount of manual labor to engage with prospects to even get them to a point where they're ready to have a one-on-one -on -one call with you. So that's where sales funnels come into place. But what if you don't want to use ads or perhaps bots aren't necessarily your thing? What if you're a direct messaging kind of person? If you are and you're open to using LinkedIn for making actual business connections, then Connected is something you should definitely check out. Connected is a tool which allows you to automate the early engagement process so that when someone actually has a discovery call with you, they're already interested in what you're up to. If it sounds like something you might be interested in, you can check it out by heading over to newinceptions.com slash connected. That's spelled K-E-N-N-E-C-T-E-D. From there, you'll be able to check out the demo and what it can do for you. And be sure to use that particular link because if it'll save you $500 on your onboarding fee if you choose to sign up. And in fact, send me an email and I'll be sure to verify with Devin that you got the lower price. So again, that's newinceptions.com slash connected, spelled with a K. And remember, you can check out the interview with its founder, Devin Johnson, at newinceptions.com slash 171. All right. Remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening to the show on. Also, you can get into the conversation with a comment or a review. Not only do they affect the chance that other people find the show, but it's a great way for you to get involved in the conversation yourself. In fact, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. Also, if you need help in scaling your business the right way, you can always email us at heyguysatnewinceptions.com with any of your questions. Always love to help our listeners in any way that we can. And show notes and show notes extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 178. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, JC Preston, alongside Andy Dix, coach and host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. Speaking of the show, Andy, how's that going? I've seen you. Uh, you've had some fairly interesting locals on, on there. Yeah, thanks, JC. It's great to be back with you. And uh, I, I'm in process right now of doing uh, uh, the final production for um, Mel, who does Indiana Originals, which is a, a whole company around uniting locally owned and operated Indiana businesses. So I'm, I'm really excited to share her story real soon. Cool. Yeah, she uh, is definitely an interesting character. Great idea of a of uh, of a brand there and just helping uh, small organizations, businesses around Indiana get their name out there. So that's, that's super exciting work she's doing for sure. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, whether you're in Indiana or out West, like today's guest, you know, leadership is, as we know it is, is going to have some hiccups as we're going into this new post pandemic era. And in session 174, uh, Veronica and I had the, the chance to speak with Chris Tuff about organizational leadership when it came to millennials. But, you know, in the broader sense, it's one thing to talk about change, but quite another to actually equip oneself for, for that, that change. And believe me, if you get into the topic of, of change management, yeah, you better be ready for what it all entails. 
yeah, you know, what What does that really mean? What are we going to be walking out into uh, in the next couple of weeks or months as as we try to really find the path that leads to something that we're going to call normal, but it's not going to be normal. And, and it's going to be, you know, the next year or so that's really going to be very, very different for all of us. And, and what does that really mean for us? Well, it means if we bring our old thinking to a brand new situation, we're going to be outthought real fast, right? It, it's just not going to work. And, and we need to really adjust our mindset for this new normal that we're going to be coming from. And organizations are going to be facing that same challenge because business is not going to be business as usual for the foreseeable future, if it ever will be, or really, of course, if it ever was. <laughs> and to help us get there to this new mindset, we are so super excited to have Dr. Ryan Gottfriedson, who can be found at ryangottfriedson.com. And that's spelled R-Y-A-N-G-O-T-T-F-R-E-D-S-O-N.com. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me on. And sorry for the mouthful of the name there. <laughs> uh, you can't help it. You were born with it. <laughs> I know, I can't. My wife, uh, her maiden name is a Lily White, which is very pretty. And then she was thinking when she gets married, she wants to marry somebody with a short, pretty last name. And she got the short end of the stick. That's sure. Yeah, that <laughs> definitely, definitely didn't happen. So, uh, you know, like you, Brian, I actually have a background in organizational leadership. Specifically, I had a focus on entrepreneurship and training. And, uh, you know, interestingly, I got into that because I realized that as I was graduating, that the internships that I was doing and the jobs that I had kind of experienced through my friends who had already graduated you know, it just really wasn't my cup of tea. And, you know, my friends, it, it just, I just saw their lives and I'm just like, nope, going back to grad school and I'm going to, you know, go the, that direction. Um, so how did you first end up in the, in the organization, organizational behavior field? Oh man, I, I think it's in my blood a little bit. So I took a class in high school and I don't know how many high schools offer this class, but the class was sports psychology mm. and I, I played sports. And I love the class. And in the class, we read Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. I read a book by Mike Krzyzewski, a book by Pat Riley, and a book by Rick Majerus, all, all basketball coaches. And I remember sitting in that class, like it's a vivid memory, thinking, man, if I could have a job where I could write books like this and, and kind of help others, that would be ideal. Mm. But I had no clue that there was a field of study. Out, out there. And so fast forward a couple of years later, and I found myself in Boston, Massachusetts, where I was living at the time. And I met a Harvard Business School professor. And I asked him, well, what do you teach? And he said, organizational behavior. I said, what's that? And he goes on to describe organizational behavior. And essentially what he's saying is sports psychology, but applied to business. Yeah. And I thought, and there the light bulb went off and it was like, that's where I'm going. So that's where I went. I <laughs> love that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that actually opened my eyes to it was the bobs on uh, Office Space. You know, that's, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, it's just like, Love how it. do I become a bob? Uh, oh, oh that, yeah, <laughs> my, my minor at the time when I was at engineering was organizational leadership. And I'm like, I I'm already in it. Huh, that's cool. But so, I mean, tell me as, you, as you're moving along in, in that particular direction, um, what, what, led you into the world of working specifically with, with mindset? 
Yeah, so I I did my PhD just down the road from you at Indiana University, and I did my dissertation on leadership. And so this allowed me the opportunity to review the last 70 years of leadership research, which was awesome to be able to do that. And one of my big takeaways from that is that the majority of leadership research has primarily focused on leadership behaviors. Mm -hmm. And in other words, the researchers for the last 70 years have been primarily focusing on answering the question, what do leaders need to do to be effective? Right. And I think that that's a, it's a good question to ask, and I think it's an important question to have answers for. But to me, it just didn't sit really well because I, it felt short-sighted to me. Because to me, leadership is more than just doing the right thing. It's about being a certain type of person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for the last six years since I did my dissertation, that's been the primary focus of my research is how do we tap into the being element of leadership? And everything's led me to mindsets because mindsets, them, they're the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world. And depending upon how we view the world, that shapes how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. Mm-hmm. So truly, our mindsets are the most foundational aspect about who we are. And we can't get any closer to our being than our mindsets. And so that's that's where I've kind of uh, settled on at least for the time being and, and have written my book, Success Mindsets that just came out last week. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I can't agree with you any more than that. I mean, one of the things that I first learned about when I was, you know, and getting my minor in organizational leadership was the different personalities. And when you, when you just kind of like expand that idea that everybody has different personalities, let alone, you know, whether or not you're looking at the disc or you're looking at Myers Briggs, Jungan 16, um, you know, the thing is, is that each one of those suggests that there's different kinds of people out there. And so those different personalities are going to ha- have different steps to take as they go from good to great. We'll say it that way. Right. For sure. And you bring up a, such a great point because there's so many different ways to slice and dice ourselves. And you bring up the idea of different personality types and, and disc is largely based off of personality. Um, think about the big five and most researchers up until now would suggest that personality isn't something that we could really change throughout our lives. That it kind of is, it is what we have. So we're either an introvert or an extrovert, and we're not going to change much from the time that we're young till the time that we're old. And, and this is, it's really important to understand our personalities because it allows, and the personalities of those that we work with, because it allows us to navigate those environments more effectively when we have a better understanding of each other. But what, and so while I think that all of those assessments that you mentioned are good and they're very useful, one of the limitations in my mind is that they aren't very developmental, again, because we can't really change our personality too much. And that's one of the reasons why I love focusing on mindsets, mm. because mindsets are something that we can change. And actually, we could change pretty easily. So. Um, we could have somebody that if we were to look at introversion versus extroversion, so we could have two introverts, but they can have completely different mindsets. Mm-hmm. So that one could have more negative mindsets, the other have more positive mindsets. So regardless of what our personality is, we can have negative or positive mindsets. And if we can identify the specific mindsets that we need to have to be more successful, then we could do something about our mindsets. But I, my experience is that not too p- many people have clarity on what mindsets they need to have. Mm. 
I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I do a lot of work with the Institute for Post-Industrial Leadership with the University of Indianapolis. And we, we use, if you're familiar with Joseph Ross' book, uh, Leadership for the 21st Century, and, and he really, Ross was one of the first uh, academics to study leadership and say, well, most of the stuff we're studying isn't really leadership. And he, he said leadership is really this influence relationship designed around change and making, making changes that are mutually beneficial for those involved. And, and I think that is so important when you look at your mindset research and you start thinking about, well, if we're going to be trying to influence other people to help affect a change that's mutually beneficial for other people, it helps to know your mindset and then the mindset of everyone that you're trying to influence as well. And so why don't you walk us through the four main opposing mindsets that are out there that, that someone might encounter or have themselves? Yeah, and let me do it at kind of a high level at first to, to get at what you're talking about, because you're so right, at least in my mind, um, so we're speaking the same language here, that leadership is about influence. It's about your ability to positively influence those around you and direct them to a common goal. And, and so let me give you four desires, and you tell me um, whether or not leaders feel pressure to, to kind of have these desires. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So here's the four desires. A desire to look good, a desire to be right, a desire to avoid problems, and a desire to get ahead. Do you think leaders kind of feel like they need to have these desires? Mm. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you a, a sort of answer, and you can step <laughs> me through it, okay? So I'm going to yep. say executives really think they have to have that. But I'm going to say leaders, not so much. What would ah. you say? Well, I think anybody in a leadership position, or, or even if you're just a influencer, I think all of us feel social pressure to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. It's justifiable. I mean, who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems, and get passed up? Well, nobody especially those in leadership positions. Because if we feel like if we look bad, if we're wrong, if we have problems, and if we get passed up, then, then that's going to decrease our influence with the people that we're trying to lead. But the, one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is when we have these desires, where is our primary focus? Mm. It's on us. Yeah, huh. it's, you know, if we want to be, which is, again, looking good, being right, avoiding problems, getting ahead, those are all self-serving desires. And, and when we look to our leaders, do we want them to be self-serving or do we want them to be other serving or organization serving? And see, that's something that comes to my mind real quick is like, you're kind of talking about the difference the differentiation between manipulation versus actual influence, right? Well, you're right, because when leaders have these desires, their natural way of leading is going to be command and control. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it becomes justifiable for them to command and control because, again, they don't want to look bad, be wrong, have problems, and get passed up. And each of these four desires are associated with a negative mindset. So these are actually driven by negative mindsets. So the negative mindsets are 
a fixed mindset, a closed mindset, a prevention mindset, and an inward mindset. And and I think oftentimes we get stuck in these mindsets and their associated desires because we don't understand or maybe recognize that there's better desires to have. And so on the other side of the continuum, so when I focus on mindsets, I've got these four different sets of mindsets that range along a continuum from negative to positive. So we just focused on the negative mm-hmm. side. On the positive side, I'll start with the desires. Um, so instead of a desire to look good, we should have a desire to learn and grow, which means that at times we may have to look bad because we're going to learn the most from those types of situations. Instead of a desire to be right, we should have a, des- a desire to think optimally and to find truth. And in order to get there, at times, we are going to have to be wrong or at least admit that we're wrong. Instead of a desire to avoid problems, we should have a desire to reach goals. And instead of a desire to get ahead, we should have a desire to lift others. Mm. And so if we could, as we develop these four positive desires of wanting to learn and grow, find truth and think optimally, reach goals and lift others, now you could, hopefully you could sense the shift that we're moving away from self-protection mode over to contribution or organization advancement. Mm. Uh, Does that make sense? Were you able to follow that? Uh, Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, tie these together for me a little bit, I think, because Gallup does their followership study every year and it says, okay, around the globe, what do people want to look for in their leaders that they're willing to collaborate with? And it comes back every year with pretty much the same data. And and that is that they want people they can trust, that are stable emotionally, that are compassionate and treat people with compassion, and are lastly hopeful, meaning that they they think there's something that that they can do and achieve together and that that likelihood is possible. So if you're going to have trust, stability, compassion, and hope, how does that tie to those key leadership mindsets of being open and growth and promotion and outwardly focused? Yeah, great question. And when we have the growth, open promotion and outward mindsets, meaning we are desiring to learn and grow, find truth, reach goals and lift others, then we are completely outward oriented. And we're, we're not letting our ego get in the way. And one of the things that I find really interesting about leadership is when I work with business leaders, uh, I will ask them. So usually I'm working with an organization who brings in all their leaders and I'll ask them, are you trying the best that you can? And they all say yes. And I believe them. I, I think that they're trying the best they can. But I'm also aware of leadership statistics that are out there that say 60% of employees say that their leader damages their self-esteem. of employees say that they would rather have a new boss compared to more pay. And 75% of employees say that their boss is the most stressful and worst part of their job. And so to me, there's this huge disconnect because leaders are out there saying, I'm trying the best that I can. And then almost the majority of employees are saying, yeah, I don't really like how my manager is leading me. And to me, that's really fascinating. And I think it's all rooted in those leaders' mindsets. Hmm. So as we want to be more accommodating and be 
more inspirational. And in fact, if you go back to the conversation with Chris again, you know, he talked about three things that that millennials specifically are looking for. How do we shift our our selves to be more accommodating for what our our employees or our team wants us to be? Yeah, great question. We we've got to awaken to our underlying mindsets that are shaping how we see and how we view the world around us. So, and that's not easy to do because we all, all of us are wearing our own unique mental lenses. And we all think that our mental lenses are the best ones to wear or else we would put on other ones. I mean, our life experience has led us to believe that the mindsets we currently wear lead us to see the world in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. But I've developed a personal mindset assessment, and it's free. It's on my website. Uh, It's only 20 questions. And out of the 10,000 people that have taken it, only 5% are in the top quartile for the four different sets of mindsets, Mm. which suggests that most of us have some work to do with regards to our mindsets, myself included. And until a leader recognizes it, they're kind of powerless to do anything about it. Because again, they're going to say, yeah, I'm trying my best. But if they're seeing the world Um, let's just say with a fixed mindset, then what research has found is that when leaders have a fixed mindset, they don't believe that their people can change their talents, abilities, and intelligence. And so they're much less inclined to develop their employees than somebody with a growth mindset. Mm. And so while that fixed-minded leader may say, yeah, I'm trying the best that I can, they're also falling far short in terms of developing their employees compared to a growth-minded leader. Mm. Let me ask you, though, if crisis situations where people are under stress, do you notice that people's mindsets go becoming more naturally defensive? And if so, how can someone not give in to that self-protective stress and, and stay in an open or a growth mindset? Such a great question. I mean, it's such a relevant question to this COVID-19 situation is, I mean, this is a crisis for for many people. And you're so right that a crisis incentivizes us to take on these negative mindsets and their associative desires. Because when a crisis happens, our natural inclination is to self-protect. So it's, we're like a turtle that's kind of, we want to pull our head into our shell as a form of self-protection. but While that is justifiable because we don't want to be hurt, it's also going to limit our effectiveness in the present and also our abilities to navigate through the future. One of the things that I've been studying lately has been people who survived the Holocaust and what did they learn from the crisis that that they went through. And one of the people that I focused on is is Viktor Frankl, who, who wrote his book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is an incredible book. But as I did some research on his backstory, and he didn't mention this in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, but shortly after uh, or uh, before he was put into a concentration camp, his family was rounded up and put into a ghetto. So this is just a step above a concentration camp. They have a little bit more freedom, but they're still under the watch of, uh, of Nazi officials. And in this ghetto, it's cramped spaces. They were not allowed to congregate in large groups, which is somewhat fa- what we're familiar with, although much different circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I imagine if we're Victor Frankel or anybody living in these ghettos, 
it's I'm not going to congregate. I'm going to stick my head in my shell and I'm just going to I'm just going to hope that this goes away. Well, Viktor Frankl didn't do that. And, and others didn't do that as well. In fact, Viktor Frankl organized a group that met secretly to just try to learn. Like they would they would have a session where they would have an expert on on sleep and they would talk about how do you sleep better despite the stress that we're facing. Um they would have a physicist come in and say, you know, just teach people about the things that he was learning or had learned recently. And, and they were putting their, literally doing the exact opposite of, of what they might naturally be inclined to do. But they did it because they wanted to benefit those around them. And to me, that's the epitome of leadership is when we are putting away our own self-interested desires for the betterment of a collective good. And, and so to be able to, to answer your question, to be able to do that, we've got to be really intentional about our mindsets. And so that, it, and it helps to know what mindsets we need to have in order to be intentional. And, and so, or maybe, you know, you've learned some exercises that the listener could do to help sort of keep them in that mindset. What, what would you recommend? But there's, and you're so right, because that's what we need is we need small little inter- interventions that are catered towards these different mindsets. So it kind of depends on what mindset you want to focus on. But let me give you an example that has been a life changer for me. So for most of my adult life, I had had a prevention mindset uh, where I was primarily focused on avoiding problems as opposed to reaching goals. In fact, I think I got a PhD and became a professor because I had a prevention mindset. I saw being a professor as, this is kind of a cushy job. Like I'm not having to bust my butt and work 80 hours a week. And I get paid a decent amount of money. And, you know, I get to hang out with students at times, right? And a good summer. And a great summer, yeah, so right. So, So that was, I mean, it was largely fueled by a prevention mindset. But then I went through some kind of life experiences that, made me kind of reflect and think, man, is my life where I wanted it to be at this age? And, and honestly, it wasn't. I, I had greater dreams and visions for my life, but I hadn't accomplished those. And, and it was in this time where uh, a CEO of a company here in Orange County uh, handed me a book and he said, this book is going to change your life. And, and I look at it and, and the book is The Five-Minute Journal. Have either of you heard of The Five-Minute yep, Journal? Yep, have the app. Yeah, Love it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So he hands it to me. I'd never heard of it. And I I read the cover. And then, of course, I'm very gracious outwardly. But inwardly, I'm thinking, there is no way in hell I am journaling. Like, this is not (laughs) going to happen. And and I bring it home and I I open it up. And okay, it's only a few questions in the morning and a couple questions at night. So I said, well, let me give it a shot. Let me see. So in the journal, in the, the questions of the morning are, what are three things you're grateful for? What are three things that would make today great? And then what are some input, some daily affirmations or some self-affirmations? And and as I started to do this, I very quickly started to feel a shift in my mindset. Because as I was answering that question, how do I make today great? It made me be purposeful about my day as opposed to being comfort focused with my prevention mindset. So I started to say, how do I make today better than yesterday? And after I did it for a week, it was, how do I make this week better than last week? Then how do I make this month better than last month? And now it, it, 
this was just a, a small, simple daily intervention that was activating and exercising my positive mindset neural connections. And as I did this over time, I shifted over to a promotion mindset. And with that promotion mindset, then I did some things that I never thought I would do. So one is I started up my own business. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur because I saw it as being too risky. And simultaneously, I took out a loan to start up my business. And that was also something that I, I would have never done before because I saw having debt as being bad. And, and then I go on and I, I decide I want to write a book. So I wrote a book and uh, you know invested quite a bit of time and money into bringing that out into the world. And these, you know, ultimately, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I hadn't have shifted my mindset. So hopefully that's an example uh, that people can resonate with. Yeah, that's that's a great example. And and do you think that this new promotion mindset that you've adopted, do you think over time it's going to just become your default setting or your habit that that you really won't have to exercise anymore because you're just going to be there. That's going to be your most comfortable space going forward. Or is it something you're always going to have to be wary of that you don't slide back into prevention mode? Yeah, you used a great question, which is habit. Is What what we really need to understand is when it comes to our mindsets is our mindsets are mental. Uh, I, they are neural connections in our prefrontal cortex. And they they serve two primary jobs. So when, when we encounter a new situation, our senses are sending all sorts of information to our prefrontal cortex, and it's way more information than we can process. So the first job as our mindsets is to filter in select information that those mindsets deem most important. And then the second job of mindsets is to interpret that information in unique ways. So for example, if we were to take a fixed versus growth mindset, uh, somebody with a fixed mindset is going to see failure as a bad thing because they're going to be left to interpret that as though they are a failure. But somebody with a growth mindset, they're going to interpret failure very differently. They're going to think about failure as an opportunity to learn and grow. And so each of us right now, regardless of whether we primarily have a fixed or a growth mindset, We've got a fixed mindset neural connection and a growth mindset neural connection. And if we predominantly rely upon our fixed mindset neural connection, what that just means is our fixed mindset neural connection is stronger than our growth mindset neural connection. Mm. It fires more loudly and more rapidly. Thus, it's overriding how we process information. Now, if we want to shift our mindsets, as I did with, from prevention to promotion, then what we've got to do is we've got to strengthen and activate that more positive mindset neural connection. And the more we work it out, just like with our muscles, the stronger it becomes and the more readily we come to rely upon it. And it comes to dominate how we process our information. And so if we could just create these exercises and shift them, then that becomes our dominant mode of thinking. But just like with working out, if we stop working out, then we lose our muscle. And so it's really important that while we can develop kind of the, the habits of the more positive mindsets, we've got to continue to be intentional about supporting those positive mindsets. And, and also, would you agree that it's important to work with a coach to help also see the things you can't see as you're backsliding, just like with an exercise coach or whatever, um, to help keep you on that path going forward? 
Yeah, coaches can be really critical. I, I won't say that it's absolutely necessary, but but your effectiveness is going to be so much better. So you're going to get so much out of it. You're going to get to kind of the blocks and the limitations and the and the self-limiting beliefs much sooner with a coach. You're going to be able to work through those much more effectively with a coach. And then I believe that you'll be able to kind of retain uh, those shifts in mindsets better with a coach. So for sure, like, can you do all this without a coach? Yeah, I think you can. Um, if you can identify your own tools and resources, like I have with the five minute journal. Uh, but if you've got a coach that kind of knows how to navigate this process, uh, then that could be invaluable. And another good resource is your new book called Success Mindsets. Uh, what are maybe three top benefits that an entrepreneur could expect from reading your new book? Yeah. And I think that really one of the reasons why I wrote it is I wanted to be one of the most, one of the deepest introspective dives that a person could do, that they could get to know themselves at a level that they've never known themselves before. And, and if we could get entrepreneurs there, one of the things that they're going to discover, just like I did, is they've probably got some fears and self-limiting beliefs that are continually holding them back from from their goals that they're seeking. So I I felt like as I look back and when I had a prevention mindset, as I had one foot on the gas, which was my desire to reach certain goals. Mm -hmm. But simultaneously with my prevention mindset, I had the other foot on the brake. And so while I felt like I was working really hard, I wasn't making any progress towards my goals. And so I think the primary benefit I want, I, I think entrepreneurs can gain from the book is gaining clarity about the fact that they have a foot on the brake and how to get it off of the brake mm. and thus unlock greater success for themselves. And so I, I think within that, you ask about three takeaways. I, you know, I think within that, that's the primary takeaway, but then there's a bunch of benefits such as we become more agile as a person and also as a leader of an organization. And, and consequently, we are also become more emotionally intelligent, thus making us a better leader. Mm. Just explain real quickly your term agile as a person, because a lot of entrepreneurs think of agile as an organization now uh, and as a development methodology. Talk about that real quickly about what does it mean to be agile as a human being? Yeah, great point. And you talked about agile as a methodology. So I don't see, I, I know a lot of people who do see it that way, and I think you can see it that way. I don't see agility as being uh, about a methodology. It's to me, agility is simply our ability to change to meet the market conditions that we are facing. And, and so as we've gone into COVID-19, ready or not, everybody's had to be agile to a certain degree. We've had to adapt and to change. Now, we all recognize that certain people have done that better than others. And those that have done it better are kind of more agile than those who haven't done it as well. That that's uh, I just it just kind of blows me away everything you're saying right here. I mean, it's just like because there's just so many points and and you know that's the the idea that you know you can spend all this time doing self development, you know, working on yourself and and reading the books that'll help you get there. But if you don't, you know, I, I would easily say that this has to be one of those types of ideas that will help you pinpoint, again, more where you're currently at so that you can 
make a you know a a, a path or make a, a map to where you actually want to be. You know, it's gonna it's gonna enhance your GPS that much more. I'm totally there with you. And I love that you brought that up because when I took my sports psychology class when I was 17 or 18 years old, that got me hooked on self-help books. And I became a self-help junkie. Like I've read so many books, um, yet despite all of those books, I still clung on to my negative mindsets. Mm -hmm. Like, um, because most of the books that I read focused on behaviors. What are the things that I need to do to be effective? And so when I would focus on trying to develop myself, I would focus on changing my behaviors. Mm -hmm. But I was overlooking the mindsets that were continually resisting those changes that I was trying to make. So for me, my self-improvement journey was was a very difficult and painful process. And I now realize it's because I was doing it all wrong. Like rather than focus on changing my behaviors, I should primarily focus on shifting my mindsets. And as I shift my mindsets, naturally how I think and how I learn and how I behave will improve. And consequently, so will our our success. And so I I think that uh, that's one of the things that I, one of the reasons why I wanted this book to come out into the world, because I want people to learn from my frustrations that when it came to my personal development, I just was overlooking mindsets and their power and their importance. And, And I think that people can understand the power importance of mindsets, they'll be much more effective at unlocking uh, whatever's holding them back from the success that they're seeking. Mm, that's so powerful. Um, so what, you know, obviously the, the, the lockdown has, has definitely changed everybody's plan for 2020. But um, you have, you, you expressed at the beginning of the show that you've been actually doing some stuff um, with individuals ever since it set in. Uh, what are what what are some of the things that you have been doing as part of your pandemic pivot and helping people? Yeah, great question. Uh, most of my revenue uh, was largely prior to COVID nineteen was was doing workshops with organizational leaders, and now that I can't travel, that's uh, you know taken taken a hit. And so, how I've what I'm currently doing to try to pivot is one of the things that I'm working on at the moment is developing an online course uh, dealing with self-transformation and overcoming some of these blocks uh, that are fueled by these negative mindsets. So uh, the online course is one. And then also I'm finding, uh, I'm still doing webinars for organizations and I'm finding that it's difficult for organizations to get a, a, a number of people in, on kind of a webinar at the same time but it's it's much easier for them to get teams together at the same mm-hmm. time. So uh, one of the things that I, I'm focusing on is helping teams get through their blocks that they have as a team. Um, so I, I'm calling it my team, my leadership team mindset cleanse. And, and it's, it, it's kind of essentially a half day or we could break it up into four different hour long webinars. And, and I walk the team through kind of uncovering some of the things that might be holding them back from from being a more effective team. So if teams feel like there's just resistance in the team, there's usually an issue with mindsets at some point in time. So we're going to, I work with them to uncover that and then help them to shift their mindset so that there's less resistance and they're headed in the same direction. We're just, again, taking the foot off of the brake. When you start talking about teams, how infectious, since we're talking COVID and all that, how infectious are mindsets 
to other people. Can, can you catch somebody else's mindset by being in close proximity to them? I, I think for sure. And, and I think one of the things that's maybe just a little bit more important than just what somebody else's mindsets are is what is the culture in that environment? So if a culture is one of competition, then naturally they're going to want to self-protect and they're going to develop more of the negative mindsets. But if the culture is one of collaboration, then they're going to feel safe and, and have that ability to, to be focused more on contributing than on self-protecting. And so to me, when I think about a team is we've got to investigate both the mindsets of the individuals within the team, but also that collective culture. And so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll use my personal mindset assessment and have all of the team or even the whole organization take the assessment. And then what I could do on the back end is aggregate those results up to the collective level. And we could say, as a team or as an organization, here's what our mindsets are. And what does this say about our culture? And are we okay with that? And, and so it leads to some really deep transformational discussions. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been a super interesting conversation just based on, you know, our mutual backgrounds, but um, it is towards the end of the show here. So we got to wrap it up with the, the rapid fire questions. And the first question that I have for you, Mr. Ryan, sir, is what are your three top favorite books you gift or tell others about? Oh, there's so many. I, uh, so to lim limit it to three, um, one is a book called Bonds That Make Us Free. It's written by Terry Warner. And it it primarily focuses on what I now focus on is inward versus outward mindsets. But it is a life-changing book. I, I have yet to meet somebody who has read it and said that didn't have a profound impact on their life. Um, another book, and I think my most favorite business book of all time is Creativity, Inc., it's written by Ed Catmull, who's the president of Pixar Animation and then also took over as president of Disney Animation. And the whole book is how do you create this culture or environment that fuels innovation and creativity? And, and many of uh, his philosophies are rooted in the mindsets that I focus on. And maybe a third book, just because I'm a self-help junkie, and what, the one that has pushed me the most personally is a book called High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. Mm, Brendan's one of my favorite guys. In fact, that particular book, High Performance Habits, actually has a workbook, a journal of its own, which I happen to have myself. So yes, that is a great, great resource for sure. So let me ask you a question then, rapid fire here. When you become overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you tend to do? So for me personally, I, I've got to get back to my purpose. So I, I've got to take step back and say, what is my purpose? Where am I going? And what is the most important thing that I need to focus on to get me towards that purpose? I find that when I get overwhelmed, oftentimes what I'm doing is I'm saying yes to too many things. And, so, and some of those aren't aligned with my purpose. So I start to feel torn between somebody who I've committed to, but then also my, my purpose itself. And so to me, coming back to the purpose is really important. And I think doing, doing small things like um, the five-minute journal is helpful for that, like even like the gratitude practice that it's helped me develop. And, and meditation is also something that can help me just step back from that situation and help me to better reevaluate what's going on. Mm. 
Yeah, love that. If you could spend one day doing a job or running a business that you're currently not, what would that be? Man, I, I mean, I think to a certain degree, I'm kind of doing it, but I'd like to do it to a much greater to de- degree. And that is uh, kind of have my own uh, research think tank around leadership and around mindsets um, that that's kind of just a larger scale consulting slash research think tank that's bringing cutting edge information into the world. And so I like to think that I'm doing it at a small, a small scale uh, and would love to, to be able to scale that up. That'd be great. The world needs that right now. What's the smallest decision you've made that had the largest impact on your life? And I, 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 you know, I'm biased and I, I'm seeing everything through the mindset lens. But to me, like these mindset shifts, I mean, they're not that big. It's just like if you take a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, we're just shifting our belief that we can't change to a belief that we can change. Like, I I know that that's easier said than done, but it seems to be a really, you know, relatively small shift that has hugely profound implications. And so for me, as I walked you through that example, shifting from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset, I was just shifting from rather than being comfort focused, I'm being purpose focused. And and again, that's just, it sounds really small, but has had a a huge uh, effect on my life. That's... uh... Yeah, <laughs> I'm just blown away by how much we're we're very similar in our thought processes here. But maybe that's the reason why we both got, you know got did our our post grad work and an organizational behaviors. How can someone be a difference maker in their community? Well, I think of course everybody can do that, but the people that do that they make it a purpose to do that. And so to me, that's the the idea of being purpose focused. So, and we've got to be. And part of being purpose-focused is being intentional. So we've got to identify clear goals that we want to have. We've got to be intentional about our purpose. We've got to be intentional about our feelings. We've got to be intentional about our emotions. We've got to be intentional about our relationships. And, and if, we can, if we can develop the habits and the tool, put in the supporting tools around ourselves that allow us to be intentional about those things, then I think naturally we'll be a, a positive influence on on whatever uh, we're working on, whether that's in our organizations, in our community, in our church, whatever it might be. Awesome. Uh, Love that. All right, Ryan. Well, again, you can be found at ryangottfredson.com. Again, that's spelled Ryan, G-O-T-T-F-R-E-D-S-O-N.com. Where can people find you on the socials? Uh, Best place is LinkedIn. and would love to connect with anybody there. All right. And the book is titled? Success Mindsets, Your Keys to Unlocking Greater Success in Your Life, Work, and Leadership. Uh, it's, I, I feel fortunate. It's really been catching fire. We it was able to hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list and also the USA Today bestseller list. So uh, I, I feel like people are really enjoying it. So hopefully uh, you've enjoyed this conversation and have some interest in diving in deeper. It's sure. awesome. All right. Well, appreciate the time. Thank you. Great chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. So there you have it. I have to say that I'm continually blown away by the field of organizational leadership and behavior. And many of the topics we discussed during my time at Purdue were what I'd call common sense with labels. Those labels make all the difference when we're trying to actually learn how to better ourselves. So I'm glad that Ryan has had the opportunity to do this research and quantify it. 
again, it's not a new concept to me, but I wasn't aware of anything out there that pinpointed where people were in their mindset journey before speaking with him and this conversation. That said, what did you get out of today's talk? Tag us on social media with any pointers you got out of the discussion. Would love to hear your thoughts on it. If you'd like to continue this conversation with Ryan, we have a handful of videos for you. Uh, the first two videos are of him giving further insight of the topic. Specifically, he talks about the power of a collective mindset report, which is a comprehensive report of leaders' mindsets in a given organization that he's working with. And then the next video is about using a tool called the Digital Mindset Coach. And this particular tool actually aids individuals to help them improve their mindsets. Finally, I have two interviews he's done recently on the subject of mindsets, one with past guest Sagi Schrieber and another one with host TJ Hoisenton. So be sure to check those out on the other show notes at newinceptions.com slash 178. So that's it for session 178. Remember, if you want to start having real conversations on LinkedIn with people who are already interested to know more about what you're doing, you can use Connected to help start that process. Make yourself eligible to receive $500 off the onboarding price by visiting newinceptions.com slash connected to check out the demo. So with that said, thanks for joining us for this chat with Ryan. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.